That's right, Kathy. Turn around and sit down. I tell you, once you let these people loose, there's no getting them back. Good morning to you. Welcome. So grateful that you're all here. And for those of you that didn't notice, who have been along with us, praying faithfully, we're so grateful to have Greg with us today and that God saved his life, for which we are grateful. Uh, I love to see it when God does what only God can do, when the doctors look at you and say you shouldn't be here, and God says, uh, excuse me, I choose to overrule that verdict. Uh, so we're grateful that you're here and that you're looking so good. Beautiful hat, by the way. Um, I've often thought I ought to wear a hat since my head gets cold there. Um, two weeks ago, we began a series in the book of Ephesians, and we saw that from the very first verse, Paul begins to lay out the purpose of the book and that which we have seen together. He starts out with recognizing that the first real challenge that we have is that Paul's trying to help us to understand whose we are, that we are God's, we belong to God, we are God's people the sheep of his pasture. And from that place of security, though, we then can know who we are. In other words, part of the purpose for which Paul writes is to help us to know a surety about our own identity. And don't we all need that to some extent? Because we're so impacted by the things going on around us, by the things that other people say, other people think about us. I don't know if you've gone online lately, but uh, I have found that Facebook can be a pretty toxic place sometimes. People say things online that they wouldn't say to somebody to their face usually, but because it's distant, they feel comfortable saying it, and it attacks people's identity, who they really are. And so one of the things that Paul writes here is about whose we are and who we are. He starts out with by saying, Paul, an apostle, he wants you to know that he knows who he is. He is called by God. God has a purpose for his life. And he wants you to know that God called you and God has a purpose for your life. It's not an accident that you're here today. He has chosen you for this time and that he has a purpose for your life. And then we saw last week that all Christians, if you are a Christian, by definition, you are in Christ or in the vine is how John tells us later in John chapter 15. We're in the vine and we are the branches. So there is this thing that goes on inside of us that, that we have a part in Christ and in the work that he has called us to do. Today I want to jump right in. In Ephesians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles with you, Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, again, I want us to look at the benefits or the perks, the, the things that God wants to bestow upon us because of these things which we have already looked at. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said to you the last couple weeks, it's customary in many places for you to have to greet people when you meet them. And your greeting actually matters to them. In fact, like when we were in Kazakhstan, if the first time you saw somebody that day, you didn't go up to them and shake their hand and greet them, you were considered rude. 
So the greetings are very, very important. When I would walk around this little village that we would go to visit called Molabai, Kazakhstan, and you would go up and you would shake somebody's hand, they would say to you the same standard greeting again and again and again. It would be, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. And your response was, Wu alaikum assalam, and upon you as well. That was a standard greeting that happened constantly. Well, Paul takes this idea and he carries it even further. In fact, I realized this week, I don't know how many of you guys are in any, any of you guys Trekkies, by the way? How many of you even know what a Trekkie is? Okay. Uh, I grew up loving Star Trek. And I realized this week that the idea of a greeting, a salutation, actually goes beyond this world because every time you met Spock, he would hold his hands like this and he would say, live long and prosper. That was his greeting. So it actually goes beyond this planet, this idea of a greeting. Paul takes this, a common greeting that the Jews had in that day was peace be upon you. Paul takes it a little bit further as a Christian. And I want us to look at that today, this Jewish greeting that was carried to a new Christian level. Um, I don't know if you're like me at all, but I find that it's easy for me to fall into ruts. Do you guys ever do that? Like you did something once or twice, and all of a sudden it becomes your standard. When you talk about it, you don't say, I did this once or twice. You say, every time I do this. Well, I found that uh, when I pray over my food, I don't know if you guys do that, but when we get ready to eat, Kira and I are going to eat, we hold hands and we pray blessing over our food. I find that I pray the same prayer every time. Did any of you guys do that? Anybody? Help me to feel better. I, I, I pray the same prayer. It, it doesn't mean I don't mean it. I actually think about it while I'm saying it. But I, at night, when Karen and I pray together, um, we have found that our schedules are quite different. So the best time for us to actually pray together as a couple is at night, in bed. So when we get ready to pray, I find that I pray in the exact same order. And if I go out of order for whatever reason, I've lost my place and I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, if one of you, like, like if Greg were to come in today and Greg were to say, you can stop praying for me, everything in me, there's a little bit, there's inside of me this thing that says, who's next on the list? I can't remember if I don't say Greg. Because I fall into ruts. Well, when Paul gives a greeting, he doesn't give a greeting lightly or cavalierly. He means every word that he says, and every word is inspired by God. So what is it that he gives to these who are in Christ? He says it there in verse 2. Grace and peace. One commentator I read said this, and I like this. Grace is the beginning of our faith. Peace is the end of our faith. And I thought about that. It kind of makes sense because he says, for by grace are you saved. And then later on, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So that peace is the result of the gift of grace that God gives to us. <coughs> grace is that which initiates our Christian faith, but it produces, it's intended to produce a deep peace inside of us. Now, there are a few really big concept words in the Bible. Words like, you know, redemption. Those are big words that it's important for us to understand what they are. Well, these two words, grace and peace, are two big words. And I want us to first look at grace real quickly. I won't take real long because 
Last year, I did a whole series on the idea of grace, so that you guys are familiar with it. But I do want to remind you of some things about it. Uh, grace is most often defined as unmerited favor. The kindness of God that you don't deserve. Somebody else took the word grace and made it an acronym. It's God's riches at Christ's expense, which is another good definition for it. I like how my father-in-law handled it. My father-in-law years ago said there are some really important words in the scripture and that we need to know not just how to define them, but what they actually mean. So he said this, grace is getting the good that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the bad that you do deserve. Justice is getting what you deserve. Injustice is not getting what you deserve, good or bad. Now, look at those definitions. Grace, getting the good you don't deserve. Injustice, not getting what you deserve, good or bad. The truth is, depending upon your perspective, grace can look like injustice. If if in your workplace, you guys are working side by side, two guys working side by side in a factory, and the one gets a bigger raise than the other one, and the other one says, wait a minute, that's not fair. I worked every bit as hard as him. Why does he get more than me? Because it felt like an injustice. But for the one who received it, it felt like a grace gift. So that grace can actually feel a little bit like an injustice. Here's the truth. If the world could have been saved by the letter of the law, it would have been saved by Moses. But the scripture says the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus Christ. Every one of us here in this place ought to be mature enough and wise enough to know that we don't need justice. Because if I got justice, I would be in jail today. It's true. I want grace. I want his mercy. I want his kindness. And that's my claim Jesus. It's not that I deserve anything. In fact, the truth is, the word deserve doesn't even belong in any conversation for a Christian because of grace. In fact, the word rights shouldn't be involved either. We want to claim our rights. We want to claim what we deserve. But that has no place in the story of grace. Grace is where you don't get what you deserve, but you get the good you don't deserve. That's God's grace to us. Grace is the condescending love of God. His love stooping down to lift us to a place we couldn't be otherwise. Uh, I I look at my family. Uh, In my family, many of you know, by the way, I met somebody this week who had more kids in his family than I did. He had 14 kids in his family. I don't think he won, though, because part of them were like stepbrothers and sisters. I, I said, yeah, but what about actual blood relatives. And he said, they all are. They're all our family. I said, okay, you won. 14 kids in his family. But in my family, we were going in a way that honestly would have led all of us to alcohol, at least, if not drugs. We would have been mean. We would have beaten up. I can remember my dad. His, the highlight of my dad's weekend was going over to the bar where he was the president and beating people up. That was his joy, getting in fights to prove how strong he was. That would have been the end result of my life, I believe, outside of the grace of God stooping down and bringing me to a place that I didn't deserve. Interestingly, 
The word grace in the Greek comes from the Greek word charis. I put it up here just so that you can see it. It's the Greek word charis. Charis actually appears in the New Testament 155 times. Out of those 155 times, 100 of them were in Paul's writings and 12 of them are in Ephesians. But then if you look down below, the word gift in the Bible, like where Paul says we've all received gifts, that word gift is the word charisma, charisma, or the plural of it, charismata. And you can see it has the same root word, C-H-A-R-I-S. And there's not a one of us that don't realize that in order for us to have the gift of healing, if I wanted to pray for Greg and see him healed today, in order to have the gift of healing, there's not a one of us that doesn't realize that's got to be something born of God, right? It's got to be something born of the Spirit. If I want healing, if I want tongues, the gift of tongues, I have to have something of the work of the Spirit. Well, in the same way, grace is a work of God's Spirit. I believe the best definition that I've ever heard came from my father-in-law, and he defined grace this way. I believe it was him anyways. He says, grace is the active working and empowering of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. That's grace. Grace is God at work in your life. Grace isn't just something to get you saved, as wonderful as that is. Grace is something you live with every single day of your life. Grace is where God actually gets involved in your life and changes you from the inside out and begins to empower you to do that which He has called you to, your purpose in life. We need His grace. We desperately need His grace. We need His grace to confront sin patterns and bondages in our lives. And all of us have them. We need His grace to set us free. Grace to be able to love people. I don't know if you've discovered it yet, but not everybody is all that lovable. And sometimes it can feel that way even in your marriage. Because I guarantee there are days when my wife thinks you're not all that lovable. But we need God's grace to be able to love one another. Listen to these verses that uh, I pulled up. These are each one. Just talk about a different facet of the way grace works. Acts chapter 11, verse 22. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came, he saw the grace of God. He saw something. Something was going on among those believers that when he looked at it, he said, this is grace. Grace becomes visible in the life of a believer. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Grace is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. To be able to release to you that which God has given you by His inheritance rights. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Where sin abound, grace much more abounds. Grace overshadows and defeats the principles of sin in our lives for every one of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How did that grace to Macedonia reveal itself? That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Paul is saying, Grace became evident to the Macedonians 
when they, in their poverty, still gave. You guys did this last week. We had an offering for the situation in Ukraine. Just wanting to be able to be a help in some way to that war that's going on there. And out of your own sense of poverty, and there's not a one of us with gas prices going through the roof, food costing more, rent costing more, everything is more. The market crashes, and yet you still found grace from God to give liberally in that offering for which we give you thanks. And finally, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Grace overshadows our weakness, helps us to get through. It's about far more than God just forgiving us and washing away our sins, as important as that is. Grace is about the favor of God resting upon your life, empowering you for every aspect of your life. Grace is the manifestation of the presence of God in your life, And the truth is, we need God's presence every single day. Somebody put out a meme once. I couldn't find it. I went back to look for it. They put it out on Facebook. And it said something like, people tell me that I need God every single day. I don't need God every single day. I need God every single second of every single moment of every single day. That's God's grace. And that's what we need. So grace. Paul says the first thing that God bestows upon them is grace. And then Paul brings our attention back to the standard greeting of peace. And I thought about it. I thought about these two little, I read this story about these two little boys who wanted to do something to bless their mom on Mom's Day. So they went to the florist and they got her a, a big arrangement and they came back and the note said this. It said, uh, Mom, we went to the florist and bought you this flower arrangement because we thought it would be perfect for you since you're always saying you want some peace and quiet. The wreath that they bought had a ribbon that went across the middle and it said, Rest in peace. And I think that's sometimes how we think of peace. We think of peace as a cessation. We think of Ukraine and we say, what peace is, is when the war would finally cease. When the battles would stop. When there'd be no more strife. That's peace. Peace is a cessation or an absence of something. Like when the kids are being rowdy and you say, all I want is some peace and quiet. What you mean is I want the boisterousness, the naughtiness, to stop. Or when there's conflict, maybe in your marriage, you say, all I want is some peace. What you mean is you want the strife to end, the strife to cease. But the actual root word for peace, and I want you to get this because this is like a huge concept that God, I believe, wants us to catch. The Greek word for peace is erene. I put it up here on the screen for you, erene. But erene doesn't mean a cessation. It means a union, a bringing together. And you say, well, how is that peace? It's because when you take anything that is stronger and you bring it to that which is weaker, that which is weaker begins to feel the strength coming into us. I I was talking with a friend of mine uh, this week on Tuesday, I think it was, and we were in a traveling choir years ago. This goes back, I don't know, 40 years ago. No, more than that probably. Uh, We were in Bible school together and we were in a traveling choir. And there were times as basses, we were both bass singers, there were times as basses when I was having a hard time getting the bass part. And our choir director, Sheldon Sorg at the time, he had me do a weird thing that felt really uncomfortable to me. But at the time, I thought, okay, you're in charge, I'll do it. He had Wayne stand behind me, and then he had me lean my shoulders and my back against his chest. And then had him put his arms around me. And he says, now sing. Kid, do you know how uncomfortable it is when a guy's hugging you while you're trying to sing? 
It was embarrassing. Fortunately, we only did this in practice when no one was looking. But he, he would hold me tight and he would sing the bass part. And I found that by his strength, he was a stronger bass than I was, his strength began to ooze into my body through the vibration of his chest. That's kind of the word Irene. It's saying, take the strength, the strong one, and lend it to your weakness. What you need is not an absence of something. What you need is a greater presence in your life. So that we say, in order for us to have peace, I need all my problems to go away. You don't need all your problems to go away. What you need is someone stronger than your problems to come and join with you. So that ultimately, when we're looking at the situation, we're saying, oh, if I, I think about Jesus in the boat with the disciples. Jesus said, okay, get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. What did Jesus say, by the way? What did he say to the disciples? He said, you're going to go to the other side. How many of you know that when Jesus says it, it's true? There's not a doubt. Where were they going to go? The other side. What happened? A storm arose. The disciples were getting afraid. They thought they were going to die. What had Jesus said they were going to do, by the way? They were going to go to the other side. Where was Jesus when all of this was happening? He was in the bottom of the boat sleeping. They woke him up afraid. They said, don't you care that we're dying out here? You said we were going to go to the other side. This storm is going to take us down. Jesus gets up, and it says he spoke peace to the storm. I want to suggest to you that in speaking peace to the storm, really he was reminding the disciples that they never had a lack of peace because they always had him in the boat. They thought their peace was being interrupted by a storm. Their peace wasn't interrupted by a storm. That storm didn't interrupt Jesus' peace. It didn't need to interrupt their peace. They just let it. What we need is the presence of God that brings us peace. In fact, Paul later on says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition or separation. Paul is saying that as a Christian, when Christ comes into your heart, that which is greater begins to indwell you. And you can walk in peace no matter what you're dealing with because of the presence of Christ. A bringing together, a union, first of God and man, but ultimately within yourself, that war that rages inside of you sometimes. He says, I can speak peace in your own soul because I'm greater than that. And then ultimately, between man and man. Between people, there can be peace. So, here's Paul. He prays over the Ephesians, this rich deposit of grace. And then he says even one step further, I want you to know the presence of Christ in your life, that you can know peace. Peace in the deep places. Not because things go away. Not because there's an absence of strife. But because God is in your life. And I want you to realize this. And I was thinking about this this week as I was talking to somebody. We tend to think of Paul writing to these Ephesians Christians and we think, well, you know, they were a very simple, agrarian area. But Ephesus was the second largest city at that time in the known world. Think about it. The second largest city. In fact, most commentators liken Ephesus to San Francisco. About in size and the culture of the city. The culture of the city was extremely idolatrous. It was, evil. It was a major seaport and everything came through that could come through. They had temple worship that was made up of prostitutes who would sell themselves and you would have relations with them and that would give you your sense of righteousness in this evil temple. 
The goddess Diana that was worshipped at the time had her biggest idol, idol uh, monument right there in Ephesus. So these were people that were constantly facing persecution and facing being scoffed at as Christians. This was an anti-God culture. And into that culture, much like what many of you feel like about our own country, into that culture, God, through Paul, spoke a word of grace and a word of peace. Paul's solution was to bestow grace and peace upon you. So again, knowing that we had a luncheon today, I wanted to keep today short. And I hope you all stay. Even if you didn't plan on it, please stay. We would love for you to be here. We'd love to have a chance to sit across the table and to get to know some of you better. So please do stay. But knowing that it was coming, I wanted this to be a little shorter. But here's my question to you. How many of you today are saying, inside of your own soul, there's been some things that are going on that have left me feeling less than empowered by God's grace and less than at peace, less than feeling the gracious, merciful, peaceful presence of God. I talked with someone this week who said to me, and again, I'm sure these aren't the exact words, but something like this. He said, everything we put our hand to in the last two years has had the carpet pulled out from under us. And maybe you feel something of that. Maybe because of COVID in the last couple of years. Or maybe because of the war that's going on in the Ukraine and how it's affecting our nation and, and the supply chain that's being uh, interrupted. Or maybe for you, it's actual sickness that has hit you at times. Maybe it's the market crashing as it has in the last couple of weeks. Are there things that have caused you to feel unsettled in your own soul? So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to bow your heads for just a moment. And be honest with God. Are there things going on inside of your soul where you're feeling an upheaval, much like the disciples did in that boat on the lake when the storm arose? Maybe it's storms outside of you. Maybe it's storms inside of your own soul. You're here today and you're dressed nicely and you smile nice, but we don't know what's going on inside of you. My suspicion is that there are some of you here who, because of all that's gone on over the last couple of years, the issues with politics and COVID was enough to throw anyone off. Marriages impacted. But those marriages being impacted start with what's going on inside of the souls, the hearts of people. Maybe it's not as big an event as the war in Ukraine. Maybe for you, you're just feeling shaky and just uncertain lately. It's like, what, what is going on and what's life about for me? Maybe you're in a transition point and you're saying, God, I, I don't know what you want of me. Just take a moment and ask God, to reveal to you where you've allowed the situation to rob you of your peace, of your sense of identity, who you are. Your sense of security, that God's got you. No matter what fuel prices are, God's got you.
Now, if you're one of those people who recognized I've had stuff go on inside of me where I've been feeling afraid, shaky, uncertain, maybe even angry about things. I find myself wanting to lash out at what I perceive to be injustices where I'm not getting my rights, a lack of peace, where you've said, God, you said you would walk with me, but so often I'm not feeling your power to help me. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and say, that's me, I need that. I need God's grace and peace. I need that in my soul. You know, honestly, I, I raise my hand. There are times when I get upset about things and I begin to fret and fume about them, try to figure them out myself. Now, if you're one of those who raised your hands, and again, I, I'm, I raise my hand with you. If you're one of those, I'm going to ask you just to stand where you are. We want to be able to pray for you. We want, like Paul, to be able to stand with you, to lay hands upon you, and to speak grace and peace over you. Ought to be nothing ashamed about it. Why would Paul say grace and peace if they didn't need it? If they weren't in situations that left them feeling less than that? Just stand right where you are. It's okay. We're all the same. We're all human. We're all weak. We need his grace. I'm going to ask the leaders of the church if they would help me by just going around and laying hands on them just quietly. Uh, Tani, you can put in just some quiet music. And I know we have a luncheon afterwards, but we're going to take just a moment. This is more important than you filling your belly right now. We'll get there, I promise. But we want to be able to, as leaders, speak peace over your souls. So just as you're standing, let folks come around and pray for you and to speak the peace of God, Erene, a joining together, a union of God in the flesh with you. We speak peace right now into your souls. Speak the grace of God, the act of working of His power, His Holy Spirit into your souls right now. Lord, come and do what only you can do, where fear can begin to impact people's lives. Let grace come and the peace of God that passes understanding. Let peace be our umpire. Father, you look at the situation. You determine what's right and wrong. You get to make the call, Father. Not the situation, not my feelings. You get to make the call, Father. And just as Jesus did with the disciples, we speak peace to every storm. The peace of God. The peace of God. Hey, Renee. God with man. Come into souls. and Speak hope once again. Lord, even as we were in worship today, I kept hearing that word that God wants to rebirth hope in souls today. This is not the end. God has purpose and design for you. For your life. Peace. To the saints who are in Warsaw. I speak grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Where fear has risen, we hear the cry of our Savior saying, Fear not, for I am with thee. I have called you by name. You weren't an accident. I've called you. God knows what He's doing. 
not an accident. You're not an accident. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. For some of you, it's just this sense of upheaval. It's like constantly I feel like my insides are trembling. God says, I'm going to come into that and I'm going to still the storm. But you need to know whether there's a storm or not, you can still know my peace because the Prince of Peace has come on the scene. The Prince of Peace. Would you all stand with me? I want you to look at me for just a minute. I want you to know there are people around you every single day who need what you have. Listen to me. They need what you have. What God has put inside of you, people around you need that. They need to know that you will stand with them. It's great that Jesus is going to come, but sometimes we need Jesus with skin on. And that's you, because he dwells inside of you. They need the gift of God, the charis, the grace of God that he's put inside of you. People don't need to be judged. They judge themselves harshly enough. What they need is someone to come in and speak peace and grace to their souls. You can make a difference in your family. You can change the atmosphere of your family, of your workplace, of your school. You can make a difference. You matter. That's what Paul comes and says. Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints and faithful who are in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be unto you by God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his promise to every single one of you. Receive that today. Not just because I'm saying the words, but because God breathed into His Word and said, that Word is for you as much as it's for the Ephesians. Receive that today. Grace upon grace. I was reading that Scripture this week. Grace upon grace. Grace is wonderful, but what happens when God doubles down on it? He says, grace on top of grace. That's what He says. Grace upon grace. I'm going to pile it up on you guys so that you can be purveyors of it everywhere you go. You can be the, the messengers of good news. The world has enough bad news. They don't need to hear more bad news. They need to hear the good news of God's grace and love for them. That God's not mad at them. That's your job. That's your calling. That's your purpose. A messenger of the grace and peace of God. I, I can't imagine a better job Everywhere, what's your job today, uh, Andy? My job is to dispense grace and peace. That's a good job. And what's your pay? I get grace and peace. Because as I give it out, more and more grace upon grace comes. That's His promise. You matter. You matter here, but you also matter out there. We come together as the church in this building. But we're also still the church when we're outside of this building. That's us. That's who we are as a people. Father, in Christ's holy name, the strong, mighty, 
all-powerful name of Jesus Christ, I speak grace and peace over these, your people, that we could become dispensers of grace and peace everywhere we go. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, we are going to have a luncheon. And please, hear me. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Uh, maybe you didn't plan on it. Maybe you came not knowing it. We would love for you to be here with us so that we could get to know you better, okay? It's going to be right next door in the fellowship hall. Give the deacons some time to get everything. No, it's not. What am I saying? It's going to be here. I'm sorry. That's what happens when you talk and you don't know what you're talking about. Josh? Josh?